0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: So a little bit like you've got a soccer field, you've got a striker, a midfielder, a defender. They've all got different agendas that they need to achieve, but you've got to do it collectively for the whole goal. So really understanding your teammates and being empathetic towards them and, and ensuring that you're playing into their strengths and driving that.
2: Individuals are the key to success for different organisations, but it's also the individuals operating in teams because no one person can be an island.
0: Look, the similarities are are very, very um, apparent. The timelines are different. So sport, sometimes it's every Saturday, whereas in the corporate world, it might be quarterlies or annual or three-year strategic plans, but you've got to be able to know where you're headed. And that discipline on strategy and performance and growth is really, really important.
3: Hello, I'm Lisa Leong. And today on This Working Life, I'm refereeing a fascinating discussion about how useful the skills from sport can be for other careers, such as the world of business. You'll hear from former pro cyclist Peter Thompson and former Cricket Australia team performance manager Patrick Howard. But first, I want you to meet a former Matildas player who is now a manager in robotic surgery technologies.
1: My name is Vedrana Popovic, and I am currently a field sales manager uh, for the Da Vinci Surgical Robotic Division at Device Technologies and I used to be a professional soccer player for a number of W League uh, teams in Australia and the Matildas.
3: Vedrana, what first attracted you to the world of sport?
1: Yeah, look, I think I've always had a passion for sport, anything, you know, that was active I was really passionate about, but from a very young age I was always drawn to soccer and football and um you know I started professionally as at the age of 14 being part of the Queensland Academy of Sport and um all the way through to to the age of 24. Um so I retired quite quite early due to some injuries, but you know the skills I've learnt throughout my you know athletic career have definitely translated into the corporate world and into my MBA as well uh you know teamwork resilience self-drive and and all those sort of skills that you need as an athlete to really perform at a high level I've really um been able to use them in my current career and and my studies as well.
3: I would imagine that being in the academy would be very intense and you would have learnt a lot. What are some of those skills specifically that you learned when you were training to become a top athlete?
1: I think discipline is a really big one. So having the discipline while you're at training with the team but also outside of training. So doing the little things individually to really make yourself stand out And and perform better than, say, your teammates, but also making sure you're doing the little things to enable the team to achieve their goals and not letting anyone down. So really, I think that was probably one of the biggest things I've learned is just self-discipline, motivation and really driving towards those goals. And that's definitely translated in my current role and day-to-day life as well.
3: Can you give me a specific example of something that you learned to do to build team and how you've brought that into your current role?
1: Yeah, look, I've been a part of a number of leadership groups throughout my sporting career and and captained a few teams as well. And I think it's really important to, you know, have have those skills of motivating others and, and making sure that the team always strive towards a common goal. So things like, you know, ensuring your teammates are doing what they need to do to achieve the, the goal of the team and really um being there for them, being empathetic, learning about your teammates, uh, making sure, you know, you really understand what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are to get them through that that journey. And um, I think that's definitely something that I I, I do now with my team. Um, you know, it's a little bit like you've got a soccer field, you've got a striker, a midfielder, a defender, they've all got different, agendas that they need to achieve, but you've got to do it collectively for the, for the whole goal. So really understanding your teammates and being empathetic towards them and, and ensuring that you're playing into their strengths and driving that.
3: You mentioned briefly that injuries caused you to leave sport in 2016. Can we take you to that decision and to identity? What was it like for you to have to change at that moment?
1: it it was quite challenging it was a challenging time because obviously as an athlete that's that's your whole identity and and for a number of years from a young age you know that's all you're working towards is that goal to make the national team and be the best you can at your given sport so it can be really challenging for a lot of athletes to to make such a drastic change or to figure out where they want to go after their careers ended and for me, I was struggling with injury for a number of years. I had a Achilles tendonitis, which was a chronic injury, and then it, it got worse and worse. So I started to sort of really take a look at what I wanted to do after football. I was studying an undergrad. I was doing health sciences, uh, podiatry, but I knew I wasn't really passionate about that. I wanted to find something I was as passionate about as football. So I had a couple of friends in in the medical device industry and. They sort of introduced me to it and I guess when I decided to make the decision to transition, it was really difficult, but I knew that I was going into something that I was equally as passionate about, which really helped.
3: This is an important part of any career change, the actual transition period. We call it the big leap when really it's more like a long step that's slowly made and prepared for. Former pro cyclist Peter Thompson knows about this too.
4: One of the mantras of the Dreypack professional cycling team when I was riding with them was holistic development of the athlete. So not just focusing on the athlete's sporting abilities, but also ensuring that they were doing a trade or a university degree at the same time whilst pursuing their professional athletic objectives. And I think that for professional athletes definitely helps with the transition into corporate world. Whilst you're a competitive athlete, that is your life, that is your identity. And if that's taken away from you through injury or retirement or some other form then you really need a transition plan and so ensuring that you've developed yourself holistically is really important and identifying those transferable skill sets and those skill sets that you've developed whilst being a professional athlete I think is part way of that process.
3: Patrick Howard was Cricket Australia's team performance manager from 2011 to 2018 and he saw the same thing there.
0: There are some players that were studied really hard and it really helped their transition out of the game. And and it's not a magic bullet. You're still nervous when you retire, even if you've got a couple of degrees, because you're going, I've got to leave what I love doing and I've got to go and do something I know nothing about. It's really nerve wracking. But just getting out of the something that you love to do, and they'll go, Isn't this exciting? You can do whatever you like. And I'll go, but I love doing that before. That's the thing I love doing. So I think uh, it, it isn't an easy transition, even if you're prepared for it well. Um, it isn't easy, and um, that's uh, you know compliments to Peter and Vedrana. They've done it brilliantly, and, and it's not easy. And it's great when we see athletes do do it well.
3: Okay, so let's take a minute here to better understand the skills that these former sporting professionals are able to take with them from the sporting world into the business world. Professor Jonathan Liu is from London's Ming-I Institute and he's been looking at performance management for around 40 years and recently he's been turning his attention to sports management and skills transference to business.
2: I would certainly say that they, they will probably fall into, you know, five categories or five types of of generic skills they are either individual or their team but they tend to relate to communications and they tend to be either very cognitive or very uh conative in kind for example they would have picked up personal skills on leadership and they would also have had the ability to evaluate themselves and learn, and problem solve. And these are, I think, the skills that businesses really need today. In particular, with the pandemic that uh, we've now gone through, you have found that the ability to adapt, to adjust to fast-changing circumstances is really a critical key in the survival of businesses. And I think Uh, sports people tend to have that when you consider the fast-moving pace of competition and this desire and will to succeed.
3: And then what other specific skills do you think are particularly transferable from sport into the corporate world?
2: For example, I think leadership is probably the most well-known one because of the, for example. Uh, leadership in in sports, for example, in, in football, okay, where you have a team sports and you really need 11 leaders on the field to be successful. And when you then start thinking... Are
3: you talking about soccer, Jonathan? We call
2: it football here, <laughs> but uh, I know <laughs> in Australia that's different. Yeah. Well, certainly uh, soccer, I think, uh, as most people internationally would know, is really, I think it's also one of the reasons why I've actually remained in the United Kingdom, where, you know, it's got awful weather, but it's got, I think, uh, the best uh, Premier League in the world, Okay, although I know many people will disagree with me. But um, I think it's very much, uh, if I break it down into four critical areas of the types of skills, the first of which would be personal skills. Okay. So things like self-management, time management, aggressiveness, okay, they all tend to and, and emotional intelligence becomes part of the remit of what would be, let's say, a good leader. Then of course there is management skills. Okay. In general, this would be about leading about delegating, about motivating, and about making decisions. And more important, I think planning, or what I would call maybe project management, Uh, developing the game plan. I mean, how many times have we heard the phrase that what is the game plan? The sports people or people coming from the sports world bring a very different mindset.
5: Hello, my name is Lindy Burns. These days, I work as a learning consultant within the ABC, primarily working with regional and local radio. And prior to that, I worked as a presenter on regional and local radio, both in Newcastle and in Melbourne. I did that for nearly 30 years. In a previous life to that, I played basketball at a high level for a number of years. And I learnt so much from that experience in my 20s and, yes, early 30s. I learnt about discipline and the need to do the work before you go out and try and do the play. I learnt about the idea of pre-season, so not just doing the work before you play, but doing it a long time before you play so you're ready to tap dance on a very strong foundation once you get the opportunity. I learned about teamwork and how great it is to work with people and that people work best when they are given encouragement rather than being told that they're doing a bad job. And I learned about forward planning and the need to really think about what it is that's required of you at a particular time and what you need to bring to that occasion because every occasion and every game is slightly different.
0: And you've got to be able to stay the course, stay the path.
5: That's Pat Howard again, who is head
3: coach for the Leicester Tigers and general manager of team performance at Cricket Australia.
0: Your ability to walk into a change room and a boardroom equally and, and be able to translate the language is really important. So your ability to be able to say to cricketers or rugby players or, you know, in Peter or Vadrana's case cyclists and, and, and footballers, um, you know, I've been there. I've understood the wins and losses. I've understood the disappointment. I've understood the resilience bit. I've had our successes. Um, I think it's particularly important being able to drive long-term success and not worried about any small win or small loss. So, um, you know, you what do they say? You don't win the Melbourne Cup in the middle of May. So you, you've got to be able to build towards... the the outcomes that you're after and keep that in sight. And particularly, you know, if you're a professional sports person, you're sitting there and you you might be commented on in the career mail or the the Australian whatever else on a one-off performance and they're doing their job, the media. But at the same stage, you've got to be able to go, am I getting a little bit better every week or a little bit better? Am I dealing with my weaknesses, my strengths? You know, your ability to grow and dust off the small bumps and bruises along the way as as you gather them.
3: And so what do you think have been some of those essential team skills that you've managed to, I guess, take from the sporting world and bring to a corporate environment now, particularly because you're a CEO?
0: Yeah, look, I think particularly in sport and and even in running these high performance roles in cricket and rugby, you're never going to have an undefeated season. And you see the panic. You know, the share price might be down 10%. It might be up. 10% and your ability to go the fundamentals of the business are good or bad or strong or weak they're the things that we're trying you're trying to get better and, you, and you're trying to calm everybody for a long-term vision you know because you're always going to have the commentary from outside you're going to have an analyst or a journal or a, a, a chairperson going I see problems or I or everything's wonderful. look the similarities are, are very very um, apparent. The timelines are different. So, sports, sometimes it's every Saturday, whereas in the corporate world, it might be quarterlies or annual or three-year strategic plans, but um, uh, you've got to be able to, to know where you're headed. And that discipline on strategy and performance and growth is really, really important.
3: Peter you're now chief strategy officer at NewGrow which is a company that's innovating the ways we can recycle waste and rehabilitate land but many moons ago in 2011 you were a pro cyclist in the Draypack professional team what did that experience arm you with to do what you're doing now
4: i believe there's a lot of transferable skills for Professional athletes. Professional athletes, I think, are inherently quite competitive, disciplined, um, and have a objective. And to achieve that objective, they have to break that down into tasks. Um, so, I think in terms of transferable skill sets, from from my perspective. Um, Having the ability to set a strategy of, or I have a race coming up in six months' time, and this is what I need to do to achieve a particular result within that race and breaking it down into weekly, monthly, quarterly milestones is definitely transferable to my current role as Chief Strategy Officer, acknowledging what Patrick said, that some strategies are three years, so you're looking at a longer time horizon than just the next match on the Saturday morning.
3: What's the role of this idea of competition, do you think, in business? Where is there tension,
4: potentially? Well, I think business is very much like the sporting arena. Um, Every business has competitors, as every sporting team has competitors. Um, And you want to understand what your competitive strengths are um, so that you can leverage those and get a leg up on your competitors. Um, And you also want to intimately understand what your competitors' weaknesses are.
3: Often in business, people think of themselves as brains on sticks, so kind of ignoring the rest of their bodies. How important is it to integrate and really see ourselves as corporate athletes in a way?
4: I think good Business leaders in this day and age have a different skill set to those 10 years ago. Um, I think one of the very important skill sets for business leaders at the moment is uh, high emotional intelligence. Um, And that also resonates if you're a leader of a sporting organisation. You need to have the ability to pick up on those subtle cues from your teammates um, and be able to understand What they're currently thinking or experiencing, without them necessarily telling you, and the same applies in the business sense. If you're leading a team towards a common objective, you need to be able to align that team um, and all work work together to achieve
0: that.
3: Patrick, what are your thoughts on this?
0: I think you know what we learned over the last two or three years with COVID, and you know the more you know, people work from home, they'll they'll have to mix in life in the office and life out on the road um, completely is that you do need to find that time to get your life and corporate balance. You know, there are times that people will have to mix with family and have to do some, um, you know, to keep fit. And, and I mean that in a, in a mental, emotional, physical state, however you do that. And, and I do believe, you know, people... Um, need to find that space because the work and the, the old days of turning up at nine and finishing at five have changed. Um, and you want to be able to work with your staff um, to be able to go, guys, Look, take the time, pick the kids up and, and be able to work with that, go and find some time for some exercise, go and find your balance. Um, so I think, you know, if, I, if I'm interpreting your question right, um, you, you've got to be rounded and, and you want to be mentally, emotionally Physically in, in great shape because we don't want people to, to burn themselves out in six seconds. Um, you know, this workforce at the moment, you know, people are missing time. And you, you, if, you, if you look after the long game um, by making sure people are looked after holistically, I think that that is important. Um, but we've got to, as, you, as Peter was saying, you've got to be competitive. I, I think competition's great. And, um, and, the, and that excites people and unites people you know, um, against a common cause. So it's it's a great way to work.
1: And Vedrana? Yeah, I think understanding your team and what their strengths and weaknesses are, that translates, you know, from the, the sporting field into the corporate world and really building that culture in your team to, to ensure that everyone's working towards the common goal And and, you know, one person may have different strengths to the other but really trying to align them to get what's needed for the best outcome.
3: So as we can hear, there's so much we can learn from former sporting professionals when it comes to their skills and mindsets. But Jonathan, do you think enough businesses are taking advantage of former sporting professionals and their skills?
2: I know they are exploiting, but the exploitation has really been in using them as a marketing tool. Using sports personality as a brand, okay, rather than to say intuitively, what are the things that we can use from the field of sports that allow us to operate, as a uh, as a company, as an organization, okay, more effectively. For example, bringing in a sports personality into the marketing department is a no brainer because then you get all your branding and whatnot uh, sorted out, okay? But behind that, if that sports personality, for example, has been in the team sports, okay? And the individual understands the importance of working in teams, okay? This will go contrary to what most businesses try to do by actually getting individuals to excel So it becomes very much like uh, an I me moi scenario where, you know, I'm going to be better than you because I want the the bonus to come through. And this then puts people at loggerheads where individual motivations exceed the overall benefits to the organisation as a whole.
3: And there's something else we can borrow from the team nature of sport when it comes to our work, and that's collective movement.
2: What I find very interesting during my trips to China, okay, um, when I was doing management development programs, what I noticed was that every morning, in the in different uh, companies, they would have a twenty minute, half an hour exercise routine, and it was really very funny from my perspective. It was looking at it from the the, the eyes of a Westerner, you know, the view was you know, these are all robots, you know, they're just, but actually, they're not. This is the organization understanding that, you know, you need to have a, a healthy workforce to deliver all your goals. And your workforce are human beings. They need not just to have, you know, the mindset or the minds, they need to have a healthy body. You know, I'm, I'm yet to see this being adopted Okay, uh, in, in Western organisations, most of this is very much done without building up that unity element.
3: Thanks to my guests and to producer Zoe Ferguson, who doesn't have a sporty bone in her body. And if you haven't heard our episode on sport and belonging with performance coach Owen Eastwood, definitely scroll up, find it in our podcast feed and we'll put a link to it in this episode description. Next time on This Working Life, we're speaking to people who are suffering from long COVID and how it's impacted their work and vice versa.
6: It's really significant and unusual, not just like, oh, I'm a bit sleepy, but like, I really can't move. (laughs) But I think at that time, not much was known about long COVID or I guess ongoing issues from it. And I sort of didn't know what to do about it. I stayed going to work just thinking that I could probably manage it somehow and it gradually got worse in such a way that I didn't really know how bad it was until it was really, really bad. So I eventually went up to three days a week because you just can't get much done, you know, doing one or two days really. That's really hard. Um, As a project manager especially because, you know, your projects are normally time critical and you need to be available to talk to your suppliers and, you know, your team and and organise things. But I think going up to those three days was a major contributing factor of me, like, getting really bad. I guess my condition worsening significantly.
3: I'm Lisa Leong and until then, love your work. 10 years since we established a workplace gender equality agency. So, how far have we come? That's the discussion in Big Ideas on Workplace Gender Equality hosted by former PM Julia Gillard, who was in Australia recently. It's a stellar panel with women from the public and private sectors talking about the landscape of the Australian working woman, from the costs of childcare to corporate policies to increased gender equity.
5: We did a survey earlier this year. Um, which is called What's Keeping Us Up At Night? It's a CEO, survey of CEOs across Australia. And for the first time, talent was the top risk by a long way. And when uh, we were asking people to look three to five years out, talent was still one of the top risks. It it trumps cyber uh, as risks that organisations and CEOs are seeing. So I think it's a real moment where the ability to attract and retain people, to attract them by making sure that we're not discriminating against anybody uh, in the labour market for, you know, dumb reasons, becomes even more important at this this moment in history. That's on Big
3: Ideas. Find it,